MSW Media. Yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show. I am Dan Dunn. And (laughs) thank you, Kalai King. And what we're drinking on this show is some whiskey. Uh, I got some right here in my glass. Let me get in here. In particular, this is the Michter's Barrel Strength Rye. It's 109.8 proof. It's got a little kick to it. Kicks like a mule, this whiskey. And I love Michter's. I've talked about it a lot on the show. And the reason we're drinking that will become evident shortly. Uh, In a little bit, our old pal Zane Lamprey, He's going to join us, and he's going to reveal his list of the 10 best drinking cities in America. Can you wait for that? You're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, That's coming up in a little bit. Also, we're going to hear a little interview I did a while back with my buddy John Oates. Uh, John and Daryl, also known as Hall & Oates, will be performing at Bourbon and Beyond in Louisville, Kentucky on Saturday, September 21st. Yours truly is going to be going to Bourbon and Beyond. And I got to tell you, if you can get there, you should. And uh, in an upcoming episode, we're going to be giving away some tickets to that. Um, The lineup's amazing. It starts on September 20th, Friday. It's a three-day festival, lots of whiskey, but the bands are incredible. On the first night, the headliners are the Foo Fighters, and John Fogarty. Then you've got Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats, the Flaming Lips, Live, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Lucas Nelson. That's all the first day. Second day, headliner, a guy by the name of Robert Plant. Uh, he used to be in a band called Led Zeppelin. And then the aforementioned Daryl Hall and John Oates, the Trey Anastasio Band, Allison Krauss, Grace Potter, Squeeze, there's just so much going on. And then on the third day, as if you just haven't had enough great music and whiskey, headliners are Zach Brown Band and ZZ Top, celebrating their 50th anniversary. Leon Bridges is going to be there as well that day. Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Kurt Vile and the Violators. Little Steven, Edie Brickell. My God, I can't wait to get there. It's going to be a lot of fun, and that's in uh, September 20th to the 22nd. And if you're going to go, hit me up at the Imbiber on the social media and let me know you're going to be there. And as I said, we will be giving away tickets to that in an upcoming episode of WWD. Uh, also going to be joining me in Louisville is the great Tiffany Thiessen, Kelly Kapowski, actress extraordinaire. Uh, Tiffany Thiessen is going to be at Bourbon and Beyond, and she's going to be on this show next episode. The next episode will feature Tiffany Thiessen, and so I'm very excited about that. As I said, I'm, I'm enjoying this Michter, so I'm going to get in a little bit more here. Um, I'm a big rye whiskey fan um so i mentioned the social media earlier and i we've been getting getting lots of nice comments 
Um, I posted a people love Maynard James Keenan, uh, the lead singer of Tool in a Perfect Circle. I po- I know Maynard and friends. I've got a lot of pictures of Maynard, and I posted a picture the other day in in celebration of Tool finally being uh, available on streaming services. And a lot of people love that that photo of Maynard uh, attempting to bite my neck, and uh, they they want more Maynard. Um, and let's see some of the comments we got there. Somebody asked why they don't go on these adventures. Well, you know, that'd be weird. Um, somebody said they just set themselves up for retirement with that move. I think they were probably doing all right before that, but yes, they probably made a lot of money that day. They went streaming. Uh, Shannon Ninja said, have you any idea how much we adore you? I think she means Maynard, but I'm, I'm going to back like it was me. Uh, James North wrote so good. Gavalian Gavalian said, come to mama. Again, I think she's talking about Maynard. Uh, So yes, I will post some more pictures, tools, new records coming out at the end of the month. I'll post some never-before-seen photos of Maynard James Keenan. Um, What was I going to say? I can't even remember. It's it's, I'm a little... little, it's, It's Sunday I'm recording this. I'm a little bit weary. It was a long weekend. Um... But anyway, so, uh, oh yeah, I'm going down, as I mentioned, I'm going to be going to uh, Kentucky for the Bourbon and Beyond Festival, very excited. Uh, Kentucky, as you know, is located in what's called the Deep South, and uh, as a Philadelphia native, in the Deep South, I'm what's called a Yankee, and not the kind people like to watch play baseball, either. Now, some folks, not everyone, mind you, uh, in the Deep South, don't take too kindly to people from up north. We Yankees don't mind. I mean, everybody's got to hate on someone. Personally, I hate jugglers and Bulgarians. But suffice it to say that when I'm in the Deep South, I don't always wear my Philly roots on my sleeve because why stir up trouble? I know we'll all probably get along just fine and we don't need a little something like the marriage laws in Massachusetts to come between us. So when you're entering the sort of place that serves the kind of clientele for whom second cousins are acceptable members of the dating pool and you want to have a good time, it is crucial that you modulate your behavior appropriately uh, when you're down there. Fortunately, over the years, I've visited many a bar below the Mason-Dixon line, and therefore I have mastered the art of being a Yankee and surviving a bar in the sticks. So I'm going to give you some rules here. Rule number one is say as little as possible. As we all learned in first grade math class, zero is as little as possible. And if getting away with not speaking in a bar were possible, I'd recommend it, given the easiest way to out yourself as a Yankee by opening your mouth. Uh, To a Southerner, a Northern accent is like a bee sting on the nuts. Hard not to notice. The problem is, at a bar, you will need to order a beverage. And this means that if you don't want to blow your cover, you must be able to utter at least one syllable while affecting a believable draw. That syllable is bud, as in the king of beers. That microbrew shit don't hunt in the boonies. And don't fuck around and try to tack on the wiser, or a please, or God forbid, light. If Tom Hanks thought us anything in Forrest Gump, it's that even the finest northern bread actors can screw up a southern accent if they try to say too much. Rule number two. How to be a Yankee and survive a bar in the sticks is no glasses. Pour your beer in a glass and you may as well be wearing a skirt, heels, and a cock ring necklace. Also, don't wear glasses. Makes you look like you read. 
Rule number three. Once you've ignored rule number one, which you will, watch where you roam. Let's face it, you're drinking here. And drinking tends to lead to social engagement. So you're going to end up talking eventually. But if you've flown under the radar for long enough and seem to be a good sort, they might not care that you talk a little funny. That does not mean you can just start shooting off about whatever comes to mind. For instance, it's probably best if you stay off the topic of family relations. What happens between two cousins should stay between those cousins and their kids. Also avoid religion. That's an easy one. Sports are also tricky. If you can figure out some of their allegiances and not cross them, you might be okay. But on no account should you enter a discussion about college football. These people may never seen the inside of a college classroom, but you can bet your ass that they can sing the Kentucky fight song backward. And the fact that you can't could be interpreted as an act of aggression. Oh, in France. Whatever you do, don't mention France. What you should do post-haste is discuss the weather. Southerners are calmed by a mutual interest in all things hot, cold, rainy, and dry. Be careful that that conversation does not stray into global warming territory, though. Because as we all know, that's a myth fabricated by East Coast liberals in France. Rule number four, remember those girls have brothers and those brothers have shotguns. Look, women are gorgeous everywhere in the world, from Papua New Guinea to North Kakalaki, but in some areas they are touchier about being hit on by dudes who are demonstrably NLU. Stands for not like us. Now, I've met Southern women so beautiful that the stomping you'll get for smiling at them seems worth it. Just make sure it is worth it, because these girls not only have brothers, their brothers have friends, and their friends are in the bar, because where the fuck else are they going to go? And these fellas are all big fans of the Second Amendment. So if you must hit on that pretty magnolia sitting by the jukebox, do so with caution. When you approach the vision, and you will because you're drunk, lead with your best shot. Try not to smile right away as having a full set of teeth may mark you as an outsider. Ask her which NASCAR driver she likes and nod when she answers. If somebody in the bar begins to question your NASCAR knowledge... Just sigh deeply and say you lost all interest after Dale got killed. And he got killed. He didn't die or crash or pass on. He got killed that time. And never mind who Dale was. Number five. Buy drinks. From time to time, buying around for the house, or at least the aforementioned brothers, can also buy precious minutes. Minutes in which you can quietly slip out to the bathroom and by that, I mean out the bathroom window and then as far away as your little northern legs can carry you. Uh, number Rule number six is don't do this. When somebody calls you a pussy, respond with, well, you are what you eat, big dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rule number seven, exit in glory. If things are starting to look a little dicey, loudly announce that you have to leave because your mom just called and said your brother is coming back from Iraq next week and can finally resume his efforts on the ha on the behalf of the Louisville football team, where he was a walk-on last year before signing up to defend freedom. A toast to the American military and old glory. Then leave twice what you figure you owe and get the hell out of Dodge. And if Rule 7 fails, the final rule, Rule 8, is know the fight rules. 
Once you're actually in a fight, remember that the Deep South is an honor-driven society, which means your foes are unlikely to make the first dirty move. Headbutting is virtually unknown south of Atlanta, and a knee to the groin is considered gauche, which is to say French. Bear in mind that you use one of these time-honored defensive techniques will incapacitate only the first responder, but they will be considered an open invitation for others, including people you might not think would get involved, like girlfriends or cops, to stomp you. Also, it's important to remember that southern fights don't end when northern fights end, like, say, when somebody is beaten bloody and blacks out. In the Deep South, this is known as merely the boot-shining phase of the altercation. So there you have it, folks. If you're, uh, if you're heading down, you're from the north, and you're heading to the south, that's how you do it. Bourbon and Beyond, the world's biggest music and bourbon festival is even bigger. September 20th, 21st, and 22nd at Highland Festival Grounds of the Kentucky Expo in Louisville with Foo Fighters. Zach Brown Band. Robert Plant and the sensational Space Shifters. Gerald Hall and John Oates, John Fogarty, ZZ Top, Leon Bridges, and more. Complete lineup of musical artists and celebrity chefs at bourbonandbeyond.com. Yeah, man. Mm. You know, speaking of Kentucky, uh, my old pal, the late great Hunter S. Thompson, is one of Louisville's uh, most famous sons. And uh, recently, a couple years ago, I was talking to another buddy of mine, as I mentioned, John Oates. And John was Hunter's neighbor, lived right across the street in Woody Creek from Hunter S. Thompson. Um, I think John's now moved away, and as we know, Hunter uh, passed. It's going to be 15 years, man. 15 years. It's kind of crazy. Um, anyway, I uh, was digging through the old archives, and uh, I found this little uh, thing that I did with, with Oates and actress Kate Kelton who was uh, doing all the laughing. Uh, Kate, you may, anybody that's uh, fans of the Dude Where's My Car might remember Kate. She was one of the the girls from the Battle Shits scene uh, and uh, very funny. So she and I got together with Oates out in Hollywood and we had a little chat and this was one of my favorite parts about Hunter S. Thompson. So John, yes. tell us your best Hunter story. There's too many. I don't even know where to begin. But one thing I will tell you that... When we, my wife actually found the property before we were married, she found this piece of property in in Woody Creek. Uh And I remember the real estate agent, who was a good friend of mine, saying, look, it's a great piece of property, but your neighbor is Hunter Thompson. (laughs) And I said, I'm not sure. I said, said, that could be a a good thing. Maybe not. (laughs) And honestly, the day we were looking at the property, we heard a a gunshot. And we heard this... And the pellets of the shotgun raining, like oh re- ricocheting off the metal roof of this little structure. That was on the and I went, holy shit. <laughs> what am I so, up for? so then we look inside this little log cabin, and there's his red convertible, the land shark, right. yeah. sitting there. Jesus. So I said to the real estate agent, why, why is his car on our maybe prospective property? Right. Yeah. And he said, well, I don't know. The property's been abandoned, so I guess Hunter just put it there. Yeah. <laughs> so we bought the property, and when it got to, came time to like refurbish the building, I said, well, we got to get the car out of here. Yeah. And so I kept knocking on his door for three days. <laughs> Never answered his door. The keys were in it. I jump-started it. 
I backed it out. I drove it up on his lawn, and I left it there. And I knew the guy. For, I knew the guy for for twenty years. He never said a word to me. That's never hilarious. said a word. I think he just assumed that the car just appeared on his. Did not remember on his having lawn. that car before, and then then he had a car. And let me guess, it never moved again. No, he no, no, it, it moved oh, again. Okay, 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 okay. Well, you know, it's I funny. I, the very the one and only time I ever fired a gun in my life was at Hunter's place, and uh, it was late in the evening, probably right. three, four in the morning. And we, so early there were fight. substances involved. I was, I was trying to sleep. You know, yeah, that, I think right? you, well, no, I honestly, because I had just seen you prior to that. So we're out back and it's four o'clock in the morning. I think I'd had uh, the perfect medley of like ether and mushrooms and everything else, and, which is the perfect time to be firing a gun. Yes. So we're out Absolutely. back and I, I got, the, I'm lined up and I'm ready oh to go. God. And Hunter's got a target out there. And he's like, just, you know, yeah, telling, giving me instructions, you know. <laughs> and I remember we're, we're blo- it was like little gas cans or something, and we're blowing them up, we're shooting oh them up, bam! And I, and I never felt so much power. And then there was this brief moment when I thought to myself, man, Oats must be really pissed right now. <laughs> <laughs> Four in the morning on like a Monday night, we're like, bam, bam, bam! Flash forward, yes. Oats. Well, I'll tell you what, my, 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 son, my son who grew up there and knew Hunter when he was a little kid, uh, it has become a kindred spirit because my son's really into shooting. Yeah. So, and it's a real, it's a damn shame that Hunter isn't around because he would have loved my yeah. son. Oh, my God. They Hunter, Hunter could shoot. Hunter oh, could yeah. shoot, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hi, this is Zane Lamprey from Three Sheets, Drinking Made Easy, and other shows that have been canceled from television. Join Dan Dunn on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn every week here on Audio Things. Yeah, that's Zane Lamprey, friend of the show. Zane was our very first guest, and I will just talk to Zane all the time. The man, he hosted three sheets. He's now got four sheets. He's all the sheets. He's got them covered. Uh, I went out and, uh, and chatted with Zane recently. I, we, we, you know, it's kind of an Ameri- American episode, isn't it? We're talking bourbon and beyond and music. and So I went and I asked uh, Zane to give me uh, a list of this guy. You know, he's been all over the world, uh, and so he knows things. He knows things. And so I asked him uh, to compile a list of his 10 most fun drinking cities in the United States, and he was kind enough to do it. And um, I'm going to share that information with you right now. You're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn and his guest today, Zane Lamprey. Extraordinary. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, where are you going with this? I like that voice, though, Thanks, man. I think Thanks. you should just do that uh, the hey, whole time. Should I do my whole podcast like do this? Do it like this. This is fantastic. In a world. In a uh, world. So Zane Lamprey. Where Dan Dunn knows nothing about drinking. It's drinking. <laughs> I don't know. I never know what to say. All right, let's go. Let's kick it. Uh, I, let's I kick know it. what you want from me. So, first of all, great to have you back. Uh, Zane was the first guest... On the what we're drinking with, though. I know what you want from me. I know, I understand, I understand my mission here. What is it? To be entertaining? Do you want me to tell you the the top 10 most fun cities in the country if you drink? How did you know that? Because you told me that. Oh. And you know what I'm using as my reference is an article that I wrote two years ago. Wait, is this in the country? In the U.S. In the U.S. This if is, you open up the world, that's I mean that's I mean that's fine. Well, you I mean here's the thing, it's a lot of work. We don't we can do the U.S. But you've been around the world. I mean, seventy two countries. I don't know who's counting, but <laughs> has it really been seventy two? You count countries? the Vatican, yes. Do you ever get scared when you traveled? Like, because you had to be on some pretty shaky 
modes of transportation? From from modes of transportation, yes. I was about to say no, but as far as modes of transportation, yes. I was I went to Costa Rica years ago, and we were in a like a like a like a van. It looked like a toaster, you know, like a Toyota old yeah, yeah, old yeah. van. And I think and so we were jam packed in that, and we were driving from San Jose to uh, one of the coastal cities, and um, and so we were in this van, which is just like, and we should have flown. But I think we were more afraid of flying than we were of driving. So it's funny, like the the scary times are almost all transportation related. So we were in this van, and it was a two, it was a, a four lane road, tiny little lanes. It was just you're you're heading out into, into nowhere basically, and it was just very poorly developed, shitty roads. And it's like a you know two two lanes, two lanes on both sides, and then all of a sudden it comes up to a bridge that is just has one lane on each side. I'm scared, and I wasn't. And so we were on the 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 outside, so we were along the edge of the road, and we're dr- and and the our driver is trying to pass a a truck filled with logs, hmm. and he's gunning it, and his car does not gun. And we're fortunately we're going a little bit downhill, but he's racing this truck, cuts in front of him at the last second. Wow. And, and I was just like, and none of us were even speaking because we're like, oh my God. Like it was, it, it was, it was, you know what accidents are? Yeah. They're unplanned things, right? Yes. So, so, so you, you try to do things to avoid accidents by not putting yourself in positions like that because, because one time out of 10 or whatever it is, like that shit wouldn't work out, you know, because of whether it's mechanical but or. But he had to get around that truck. But he had to do it yeah. just, just for that bridge. And I said to our translator, I said, tell him. That if he does that again, please say this exactly. If he does that again, I'm going to punch him in the face as hard as I can and, <laughs> and tell him that I'm not kidding. And she did it and he started laughing. I go, no. And they thought it was funny. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, sorry, my life is worth more than that. So then we keep driving on this. I know this is what it's about. We keep driving on the, on the rest of that trip and we cross like a rickety bridge that's like wood boards oh, over like a no. muddy river. And we hear that the day after we went, a car was going and the bridge, the wood decided to give out and the, and the car fell into the river through the bridge, this narrow, maybe like a one lane bridge everyone's sharing oh my God. and the people died. And we, but yeah, we had Jesus. gone across that the, the day before. So like th- those kind of things, like I, I will speak up about those things well, I, you Thre- know, and, and threaten punches and, and you, whatever. You, you did it so much and. Do you find as you've gotten older, is your willingness to sort of go and do those crazy, is it subsided willing, at all or no? You know what? My willingness at that point was to, like, I was willing to uh, to speak up. Um, and I'm, I, I guess that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. Are you it, it, interested in going on these exotic trips now? I still am. Because, you still are. Yeah, I still am because there's a lot of stuff I haven't seen. You have that sense of adventure. I do have a sense. I absolutely have a sense of adventure. I mean, I live in LA, which to a lot of people is where people will come to vacation. I, I look forward to leaving, but because of my friends and family that's here, I look forward to coming back. But but like I always when I remember I'm leaving LA, which by the way is probably once a month, like yeah. I'm excited to go. And I and the good thing about living here as opposed to Syracuse where I grew up, like I would dread going home to Syracuse. Here I at least don't dread it. You have a nice you have a nice thing to come back to. I have a nice thing to come back to, yeah. Okay. So you have not lost my, you, my you're famous for your for your sense of adventure and wanderlust, yeah. and you have not lost that. Yes. Okay. Correct. So now, if you are going to advise people who want to go out and and they want to go out and have a good time, they want to see some beautiful things, but they also want to be in a good drinking, yeah, fun drinking. I see place. how you're setting this up. Yeah. But I don't know that I'm thinking about it that 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 clearly. I'll tell you what my what my criteria 
for okay. for this this list of cities. It's basically like your uh, your your options um, for going to have a drink, okay, um, and willingness of to find participants to go there with you. All Let's right. just call it like on a Tuesday. That's a good measuring stick, right? Uh, and also, I think places that are uh, intrinsically interesting without the drinking. So this is my list of right. the 10 most fun drinking cities in the country. Let's hear it. Uh, number 10, starting at the bottom, Savannah. Savannah, yeah. Georgia. Yeah. So, so it's basically like you can walk around with an open container. Um, you know, it's a very historic city. Um, you know, it's it's not quite like the the vibe of like of a New Orleans when you're walking around. Okay. It's more of a classy vibe. But again, you can always find people to hang out and drink with. But but it's not a very big city, which is isn't necessarily a deterrent. Um, uh, so anyway, so yeah, that's, that's, that's number ten. That's number so ten. Bad. Number nine, the, the jewel of the South. Um, and then number nine, Los Angeles. Oh, because and it's interesting that you know. It, it, and you know this because you live here and you just drove. So I'm in Studio City. You're in Venice. Uh, how long did it take you to get here? Half hour. No, that's not possible. No, today. Because I came at it off hours. Yeah. But so, but. But I can tell you right now that as we're recording, yeah. I'm looking at my clock going, God damn it, if I don't get out of here, it's going to take me two hours to get yeah, home. Yeah. yeah. I've gone from here to the airport, which is not very far from where you are. And it's taken me last week, two hours at two, at two in the afternoon. That's probably a 13 So, so, so the thing me. about Los Angeles, it's almost a little unfair because there's like parts of LA where I would have instead of LA as a city, maybe I should have said Venice or I should have said Santa Monica or Silver Lake or something like that. But okay. but 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 LA has a lot, a lot of great places to go and have a drink. You can right. because there are so many out of work actors, there's always willing participants. Yes. Uh and and you can have really any kind of experience that you want from dive bars to international to Hipster. There's to a like, lot of diversity in in, in the probably some of the best clubs, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, at least man. on the West Coast. Uh, All right, <laughs> don't say clubbing like it's like it's something we're interested in Let's anymore. Let's do it. Uh, Chicago, the Windy City. Oh. Um, it's, it's just an awesome place. Chicago is the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, St. Patrick's Day, they dye the river green. I mean, like you know, it's Chicago's known for a place to go have a. Have you a ever beer. been there when they've dyed the river green? I haven't. Yeah. Uh, no. a, a beer and a shot of Malort. Have you had Malort? No. Jepson's Malort. It's like a, uh, what do you maybe call it, cordial, related to, to like a Jägermeister. It's something that's pretty undrinkable, and that's sort of a rite of passage. It even sounds undrinkable. Yeah. Malort. What's a good name for this shitty drink? It's like, Malort. you know, it's the sound you Guy make. Burped. Yeah. Malort. I was going to say, it's the sound you make right before you're, you're about to vomit. Malort. Here he goes. Uh, number seven, Austin. <laughs> I'm Aust- going to be there in a couple weeks. Austin proper. The Whiskey X, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that what it is, an event? I'm going down there. I'm going to be emceeing the Whiskey X in Austin, Texas. Thanks for teeing that up for me. Sure. That'll be yeah. on uh, go, go September September Ticket. 13th in Austin, Texas. Get tickets online, the Whiskey X. So there's this, there's 6th Street, uh, but then you know now it's sort of, uh, it's, it's broadened. There's a few great, not even like, watering holes but like streets to go and hang out yes um a lot of great stuff is made there great people it's i was just there this summer i mean it's 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 a really fun place to go uh number six san diego uh san diego great people great beaches easy to get around easy to get around um you know it has the 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 gas lamp district um it has thir- which by the way the gas lamp quarter has 38 acres of bars and restaurants oh. filled with pretty people wow um, New York City. That's number five. Number five. 
Yeah, where would you put it? Where would, well, New Yorkers would put it number one. Oh, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm talking to a guy um, from Philly I mean, lives in L.A. There, there's so many great bar places yeah. to drink in New York. I don't know that there's any... There's certainly, volume-wise, nowhere better than New York. In sure. Terms of, you can drink in any kind of a drinking establishment that right. you can imagine, right. and then about a thousand more you could never right. imagine exist in New York City. Right. Uh, but... I don't want to put it that high up the list either because I feel like you need. I think you need a guide. So that's number one. If you just went there and you didn't know somebody, which most people know somebody in, in New York that will, that, and most New Yorkers are pretty happy to show how fancy they are and some some cool places. But if you go there without a guide, could it's could be very overwhelming, difficult. and you could wind up in places that aren't great. Yeah. There are a lot of places in New York that aren't great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number four. Number four. No arguments with Miami being high up on that, this list. Miami, especially South Beach. Well, that was the place you went to and moved away from. Ay, caramba. Sorry. What is that? Like that's, that's me expressing saying dismay something Spanish. Yeah. your choice. No. Uh, I like Miami. I like Miami. Mi- Miami as a drinking city. It I is. I mean, it's... Tons of culture. Great, ton- fun people. Amazing food. Weather. You can drink until probably about six in the morning. And if you want to drink for several days, there's, there's substances that will help you do that. <laughs> so, um, uh, number three... Yes. It's, it's it's well it's much smaller going even further south in Florida to Key West. What the I mean look at you as a drinking city? Look at you affording Key West. <laughs> Whoa. Affording a flight to Key West. What it's the... so expensive to Where get Where do you to fly, fly in? Do you fly straight into Key West? No, I don't think you can fly straight into Key West from anywhere. Fly into Miami and then you take the... something like that. Or maybe Atlanta, whatever, but like so... I've never been to Key West. Really? Crazy. Um you know, it's it's its own community of of you know, it's a lot of parrot heads and and. Did conch, you ever do a, sh- you did a show down? There, I did an right? episode yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah. my my buddy uh, Pat Croce, who you know because you're a Philly guy. Pat Croce, you still own the seventy six. Yeah, he owns half of uh, half of the bars in uh, in Key West, right. and like it's talk about willing participants any day, anytime. Key West, it's okay. it's it's a fun place to go. All right. Number two, again, di- difficult to argue with this. Las Vegas. Las Vegas is it, any any town where if you're just sitting in a casino they hand you drinks for free yeah. is a great drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a ton a ton of places in 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 Vegas. Again, lots of diversity. You know, Sin City. You the willing uh, participants. Willing, par- willing participants. Any you can time of you day. can pay participants as yeah. far as yeah. Um, you know, always just mat- great parties. If you can get into those, if you can't, you can always find something. I mean, like every every casino wants you to come in and get drunk. So that you'll stay and spend money at the tables. So. Can I guess number one? Well, I didn't. Yeah. Can I guess it? Yeah. I hope, yeah. Is it? Give me a couple guesses. Is it Funky Town? What's Funky Town? Won't you take me to Funky Town? Well, what is an actual? Is it place? Margaritaville? It's like actual cities. Are you naming restaurants? No. Is it Bubba Gump Shrimp Company? No. Is it Rocky Road <laughs> Chocolate Factory? No, it's not. Well, Margaritaville is actually a retirement. You you, you, you yeah. can't guess number one on here. Uh, oh, what do you? New Orleans. New Orleans. All right. I knew it. If you want to talk about, if you yes. want to talk about like cities to go and have a drink and not, by the way, you can limit yourself to the French Quarter and you can have a fantastic time. But if you start to explore the rest of the city, there are just amazing watering holes, willing participants, a beautiful backdrop. I mean, you want to talk about a city that is that is unique to the rest of the country. New Orleans absolutely sticks out as one of those. They have Tales of the Cocktail, which is the premier cocktail event in, in the world uh, every year down in, down in in July. Pretty hot, pretty, yes. pretty pretty rainy, but also pretty amazing. 
Um, you know, you you have the quarter, which is I think you could say that Bourbon Street is the main drag there. I would recommend avoiding that street. Avoid it. Um, but like the oldest bar in the country, even arguably. Frenchman's is getting too overrun now. But yeah, yeah. But New Orleans is great because they're great. Get there soon. They got about fifteen years left. Uh, I would say. I would say. <laughs> yeah, I would say get there within fifty. Yeah, you better get there soon. It, tell me how it makes any sense that this city is below sea level. You, you can walk along the Mississippi and you look at the and I just did this because I was there last week. You look at the Mississippi on your right, and then you look down at the quarter on your left, right? If you're walking by, well, you've been there plenty of times. Yeah. We've been there together. But like uh, uh, Cafe du Monde, right? Where you get oh. the, the, the beignets. beignets. So I'm standing there looking down at Cafe Beignet, uh, Cafe du Monde. Cafe Beignet is also a place. But like looking down there, um, you know, and it's maybe like 15 feet below me to, yes. my, to my left. Below me, and then uh, did you say below me? What did you just say? I said below me. Okay, yeah. and then I look to the right of the Mississippi, and it's four feet below where I'm standing. Okay, it's I mean the whole it's incredible. It's it's it is it is a time bomb. Check it out in 15 years again. Like I said, you're gonna, it's going to look even different. Um, well, yeah. listen, Zane Lamprey's 10 most fun places to drink if you're in an adult, America. Yes, exactly. I love it, man. Thank you for sharing. Wait, that hold us. on. What? Go listen to my podcast, Zane's oh, World. Oh, that's right. I forgot. About on that. Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Wherever you find them. Dan Dunn. He's the best. What we're drinking with Dan Dunn. In this episode, Zane Lamprey. Yeah, that was Zane Lamprey. Love that guy. I'm a big fan. Um, so there, you know, we had some oats, we had Zane and oats, Michter's rye. What's left to do on this thing? I told you about bourbon and beyond. I told you the Tiffany Thiessen's going to be on next week. Just stuff. So I guess we get to the, uh, the final thing that we'd like to do on this show. And that's our segment. What's driving me to drink. It's driving me to drink. What's driving me to drink is alcohol studies. Alcohol studies. They're meaningless, irrelevant piles of crap. And let me explain why. I I came across an article recently in the Wall Street Journal about a two-year study conducted by a Harvard health professor named Dr. Eric Rim, who found that, among other things, alcohol consumption can lead to poor dietary decision-making. Now, I might not be a Harvard man or have any fancy letters after my name, but I've conducted research into this topic, and not to brag, but I've done so over the course of far more than two years, which is why I would like to take this opportunity to politely ask Dr. Rim to stay the fuck out of my goddamn lane. I'd also like to point out that his study is woefully limited. My work in this field is definitely Uh, concluded that binge drinking like Vince Neal on his birthday doesn't just lead to poor dietary decisions, but other poor lifestyle choices, including but not limited to texting, online shopping, sexual partners, and grabbing a cop's gun just for funsies. In other words, Rim's job here, at best, is superfluous. Superfluous. I love that word. Confirming that boozing makes you crave gas station hot dogs at 3 a.m. is like proving dog crap smells or that Kim Kardashian's status as a role model for today's teens is evidence that the end times are upon us. Dr. Rim had a more compelling yet still deeply irrelevant finding in a 2013 study he co-authored, which found that skipping breakfast may increase your chances for a heart attack. So beyond begging the obvious question, do 3 a.m. gas station hot dogs qualify as breakfast? 
It also made me question Dr. Rim's methodology. I mean, if he's only interested in looking at excessive drinking and poor eating habits, wouldn't it be easier to just study Vince Neal? Thank you. My point is, aside from the fact that Harvard professors need to get out and drink more, booze-related academic inquiries are, for the most part, worthless. Okay? Take the 2012 study by researchers from the University of Michigan and Penn's Wharton School that showed that people holding alcoholic beverages in their hands are perceived to be less intelligent than those with free hands. They dubbed this phenomenon the imbibing idiot bias. The effect was so strong that merely priming observers with alcohol cues provoked a you're dumb effect in observers, which is bad news for me because my whole career is based on priming people with alcohol cues. I mean, seriously, I don't need to waste valuable time reading a 50-page report by some MIT geek to discover that drinking and driving is a bad idea when I can just check out Kiefer Sutherland's Wikipedia page. Similarly, I don't need Captain Obvious PhD to tell me too much Jameson may be harmful to my liver because as an Irish Catholic from Philly, I've been spitting up blood since the 10th grade. And while studies have consistently shown certain benefits to drinking, Googling drunk fails proves this point beyond any doubt. Seriously, I defy you to click that link and tell me your life wasn't improved. Now, granted, not every alcohol study is worthless. Keith Richards, for example, has conducted decades of groundbreaking research on the little-known embalming properties of whiskey. A number of celebrities and politicians have also provided valuable teaching moments over the years through their efforts to prove a link between intoxication and behaviors that appear unrelated, such as anti-Semitism, serial infidelity, ducking your alleged military service prior to becoming president, being gay, and hitting on Susie Kolber. And of course, there's Professor John Bonham's essential findings on the ill effects of napping after downing 40 shots of vodka. But for every groundbreaking study like Bonham's, there are countless others that reveal little that the average seven-year-old couldn't deduce on his own. Let me get a drink here. Yeah. So after all this relentless contemplation of science, one fact became increasingly hard to ignore. I've accidentally done a whole lot of science in my years covering the booze beat, and once I realized the treasure trove of research I'd been sitting on, the epiphanies came fast and furious. And while none of my findings have been officially peer-reviewed yet, I'm confident that their benefit to humankind will be immeasurable. Come on, people. Stephen Hawking was going to get knocked off his perch sometime. Don't feel bad. So here we go. These are my notes toward a unified theory of boozing. One. Should the opportunity to get lit with Bill Murray ever present itself, 90% of adults will jump on it, no questions asked. Except, of course, for the question, what are you drinking, Bill? Two, in these United States, there are five locations where slamming drinks at any hour of the day is deemed perfectly acceptable by polite society. They are Las Vegas, New Orleans, the airport, an airplane, and your in-law's house. Number three, Billy D. Williams is right about Colt 45. It really does work every time. That's just basic physics. I don't claim you can have a better time with Colt 45 than without it. But why take chances? The power of Colt 45. It works every time. D. Williams talks about Colt 45. Yeah, there we go. There's me messing that up. <laughs> Anyway, Billy D. Uh, four, 
If you're out drinking and someone feels compelled to remind you, quote, beer before liquor, never sicker, what they actually mean is punch me in the crotch as hard as you can. Five, if someone tries to sell you Budweiser by calling it America, they are trying to get their entire business punched in the crotch. Six, if you're agonizing over buying liquor or paying your electric bill, it has been definitively proven that booze works just fine with the lights out. Several studies say it works even better. And finally, seven, should an opportunity to get lit with Vince Neal ever present itself, run. Run as fast and as far as your legs will carry you. Unless Nicolas Cage is there to chaperone, in which case, by all means, go for it. For science, of course. And that, my friends, uh, is the end of the show. Oh, there we go. Uh, I want to thank uh, John Oates and Kate Kelton and Zane Lamprey. Next week on the show, Tiffany Thiessen is going to be with us. I'm going to be with Tiffany Thiessen. It's going to be so much fun. We're talking a little bit more about our upcoming trip to Kentucky. Uh, I thank you for joining me, and I invite you to get on uh, the social media at The Imbiber, on Twitter, on Instagram. Shoot me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'm going to be posting some pictures of Oates and some pictures of Zane and everybody else. And, of course, Maynard James Heenan. And with that, I thank you for your support. <laughs>